Hello, and welcome to The Wedding Dish. Grab your fork and knife and take a seat at our table as we dish on all things wedding. You'll hear stories and tips from real couples and wedding pros about love, life, and entrepreneurship. Let's dish. I, of course, am your host, Sarah Alipin, and I'm also the CEO of Photos from the Hardy and District Bliss. Um, my little bud, Clouseau, my French bulldog, is not upstairs today. He is hanging out, snoozing on Neighborhood Watch, and making sure everybody says hello as they pass the house. Um, <laughs> today, I am going to be answering some of our listener questions, and I realized I haven't done this in a super duper long time. Um, I guess it kind of like fell off my radar that I was doing these and I kept grabbing all of these. I was still compiling questions, but I wasn't actually recording the episode or releasing them. And um, I think part of that is because we sort of changed the format when we went um, into you know COVID protocols in the Washington D.C. area. Um, so first of all, I wanted to answer a question that may be hanging out there in the ether somewhere. Um, so if this is not your first episode and you have been listening to the Wedding Dish for a while, you may be wondering what happened to my co-host Steph. Um, and it's actually you know unfortunately we are no longer with Full Service Radio. They, um, when we went into lockdown, they made it as long as they could, and then they just weren't able to make it through the pandemic um, and just, you know, kind of pivoted, went on to different things. They're all doing very, very well. We love them, appreciate them, and stay up to date with them. So um, no worries there. And staff just wasn't super into the idea of recording, um, you know, from her computer. It didn't have the same feeling. It didn't feel. Um, it didn't feel like you know we were doing something together. And so she decided she wasn't really interested in continuing with the podcast. And um, I decided that I was. So um, I love her. She's doing really well, and um, I, you know, still appreciate everything she's done. But unfortunately, she is no longer on the show, um, just in our hearts. So um, that is the story with that. Um, now, as far as questions go, I compiled a list of of recent questions we've gotten because we've been compiling them for a while. I have never said compile this many times in so many, so few sentences. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's dive in. Um, so our first listener says, how do I choose a color scheme for my wedding? I want something that's unique and stands out to my guests. Um, I don't want to just go with something that's on trend or trendy that might not look good later. So what are um, your recommendations for color scheme? All right. So um, from the photography standpoint, and just I, I don't know that I can stand outside the photography standpoint on this one. The most important thing, in my opinion, about your color scheme is that the colors should look good on your skin or next to your skin. Um, the reason being, you know, if you're having 
a lot of decor or you're having wedding parties wear these colors, they will be near you or next to you in a ton of photos and in real life. So you want to look good in that color. So I would start there. And then I would think about what the venue looks like. If the venue has, you know, is a blank slate, you can do anything you want. Just choose the mood of your wedding, choose the style of your wedding, work out what goes within your budget because some of this is going to be florals and florals get expensive, especially when out of season. So um, think about, you know, the season and what will be growing at that time. And then um, look at, so if the venue has, let's say, like a crazy colorful carpet, there's one venue here that used to have a crazy colorful carpet that no longer has the same one. But um, at Hotel Monaco in their main ballroom, they used to have this black carpet that had these like red, yellow, blue, purple, paisley designs on them. Um, So when you walk into the space, if you know that the color scheme that you're looking at is not going to work with the color scheme of your wedding dreams, then you may need to um, either adjust the venue if you have a booked it yet or adjust the color scheme. So look at what colors go together. Um, There are some great tools online. Adobe has a tool where you can actually um, choose choose a color and it'll give you colors that look good with that. And then you can actually adjust it to see what would look good. There are a ton of, of options out there for free, um, look at what I would do actually is look at where you can build out a brand color palette because it's actually very similar in that way. So you can choose the one color and then you see the other colors that'll go with that color. Um, and you can, you know, change the slider, change the main color and, and keep adapting it until you get the color that works the best for you. Um, you can build it out. Even I think Canva has some too. So you can actually Google like um, branding color palette and get a ton of suggestions that'll be really helpful for you. Um, so that's what I would do. All right. For our next question. How do I have a nice wedding on a budget? This is a loaded question. Um, The reason that it's a loaded question is because every budget is different. So when you say, how do I have a nice wedding on a budget, my budget I, my idea of a budget may be very, very different from the from the listener who sent this question in. Now, you can have a nice wedding on any budget. You you know, your some of your biggest expenses are going to be things like food. So if you need to bring costs down, limiting guest numbers will be very helpful for you. Um, now, if you want to have a lot of guests, then you can look at different types of venues, um, different locations. So where I got married in Paso Robles, California, um, which I know is said Paso Robles, but it's really hard when you have a background, when you know Spanish to say something incorrectly, (laughs) even though the town where I grew up is said incorrectly and it's French and I can't even say it correctly. Um, It's just one of those things. Anyway. (laughs) that's neither here nor there. But when we got married in September, we didn't have a rain plan. And the reason was because it only rains 13 days out of the year in 
Paso Robles. So when we factored out the odds, we were like, all right, we're going to roll the dice. Um, That may not be an option for wherever you get married. But when you are thinking about the location, you can potentially, if you are choosing a place where it only rains 13 days out of the year, and I don't know that I would recommend rolling the dice like this. That is purely your choice. But it was worth it to us because we couldn't actually have a tent at our venue. And um, so that saved us, you know, a couple thousand bucks to not have a tent. And we didn't need it. It was perfect weather. We did rent heaters, which I think were like 250 bucks a pop. And there were two of them. And we had them on for less than five minutes. Um, But it was important to rent them because my mom gets really cold. And we wanted her to be happy. And when there are only 17 guests, one out of 17, it's worth it to, um, you know, make sure she's comfortable and everything. So, um, Now, you also have the option of DIYing some of your decor. So instead of renting or purchasing a bunch of things for decor, you can, if you plan in advance, I would not let it go down to the wire. I would absolutely, if you're doing any decor, do it months and months in advance, like finished six months out. Because otherwise, if it goes down to the wire, as you get closer to the wedding day, things start to get a little bit more stressful and busy. And you might not get it done. Or you might just be super duper stressed out. And I don't want either of those things for you. (laughs) Um, The other thing is, um, oh gosh, it just slipped right out of my brain. Um, Oh, well, I may have to come back to it because it just went right out and it's not coming back. Um. Oh, you can look at the different times of year for, um, you know, there is still on and off season for weddings. So you can look at the different times of the year. Um, You can look at the catering and whether or not to have, you know, an open bar, which some of these things, of course, are your choice and it is about you. Don't forget that, you know, don't don't let it, um, I'm a people pleaser, so I'm the kind of person who is more concerned about everyone else than myself. So make sure you do remember that the wedding is about you, but also think about guest experience. So, you know, like getting heaters for my mom. Um, If you have a big drinking crowd, then you may want to have an open bar. You know, you want your guest experience to be fun. And if you aren't going to, I would let them know in advance. But um, that's another way that you can stay within your budget and um, and still have the wedding that you really want. Um, I that Those are just some things. And I'm sure I'll think of more as I go through this list of questions. So we may pop back to how to have a nice wedding on a budget. Um, all right. So my next question is, how should I handle guest list reductions if my venue can't accommodate the number, the original number due to COVID? Um, now, I'm sure you're probably sick of hearing about this because it has been a wild ride. I have a wedding coming up in a couple days and um, they have rescheduled twice. I have another wedding that has been rescheduled for the same date twice in June. So they are now getting married two years after their original wedding date, um, which is so crazy to think about. Um, so I'm sure you're sick of hearing it, and um, but it is an important question. And, you know, the, the thing I 
I would look at, you know, the thing, the one of the most important things in, in your wedding guest experience is transparency and um, communicating with your guests. So if you're honest with people, they will understand. They, I'm certain, will be disappointed because they want to celebrate with you and, you know, they love you. And that's why you invited them to your wedding in the first place. But um, they will understand. Just be honest, let them know. And, um, you know, hopefully you'll get to celebrate with them in the future, um, whatever way that looks like, whether that's just getting coffee together and looking at pictures of your wedding or having a phone call or something, um, even even just those small things, um, it's still, you know, you can still make people feel special and included. And um, actually, Taylor at Lemon Tree Editorial has a really, really good blog post about how she had to um, limit her guest list because of COVID. And she got married in um, November of 2020. So um, it's LT, as in com. Swing on over to her blog. She has some. She did a really good job with it where she still sent out her original wedding invitations because they had spent a lot of money on them and really loved them and wanted to share them with people. So she, um, she still sent them out and then you know, said something sweet like, I wanted you to still have this, but unfortunately we can't have people actually attend our wedding. We just want you to know that we love you and we wanted to share this with you. So um, I, my next question's really cute. I love it. Okay. Um, I don't have any hashtag ideas. How can we create something that's personal and fits with our names? So um, my last name, what my maiden name is Hartenstein, and my um, obviously my married name is Alipin. So um, when we got married, our hashtag was I Heart H A R T because it was the first um, part of Hartenstein, Alipin. So um, that was ours. I really. I'm sure this is shocking to you. Love puns. I love jokes. Um, and you, there are actually some hashtag generators out there that you can look at if you just Google it. Um, the other thing is, you know, you can outsource some of these questions on social media. People love to give suggestions for things that are creative. So if you're looking for something like a hashtag, you can ask on um, – you know, make it fun. Ask, like, put one of those question boxes on your Instagram stories or um, ask on your social media and have people comment with hashtags that they recommend. Um, whether or not you want to have a hashtag is your own, you know, your own personal decision. You certainly do not need to have one. But if you are the kind of person who wants to see what everyone shares on social media and you don't know if they're going to tag you, then a hashtag is a great way to do that. So, um, you know, in case you're wondering what would be the purpose of actually having a hashtag, that's a, that's a good way to do it. Um, they also have some apps and things. If you're not a social media user, they have some apps now where you can take picture or you can like upload your pictures to the couple that's getting married. So you can look into those too. I'm sure it's just a fast Google. The name of them escapes me, but um, that should be that should be at least somewhat helpful. Um, all right. The next question I have is. 
that's my bad drum roll. Um, we want to save as much money as possible on our wedding. How do we keep it small and plan a cost-effective wedding? So this is very similar to the how do I have a nice wedding on a budget question from a couple minutes ago. Um, so, I mean, there are a lot of places that you can cut costs on your wedding. I think the first thing I would recommend doing on in terms of budgeting is sitting down and and prioritizing the most important things. Um, Otherwise, in the excitement, what can happen, I've seen this happen with so many people, is that you start doing things like going on Etsy or Amazon or going to Michael's, and you see something that's on sale that's just kind of cute. You're not sure how you would use it yet, but you think you will. And it's really easy to get wrapped up in that and then start spending little amounts here and there. Well, little amounts actually really add up. So if you're spending, you know, $15 here, $25 there, um, it's really easy then once you get to the big expenses to have already spent a bunch of your budget. Um, So sit down with your significant other and prioritize what's the most important stuff to spend money on for your wedding. So um, I, of course, am always going to say the pictures are the the thing that you're going to take home at the end of the day. Video is also something you're going to take home at the end of the day. So those those things are always going to be a priority to me in terms of budgeting because that's that's how you remember all of the special pieces that go into that day. Um you know that the things that are in the pictures are obviously going to be important as well, but you can do, you know, some of that you can DIY, as I mentioned before. Um, and there are a lot of options for that kind of thing. You can also you choose, you know, a different caterer or um, limit the number of guests. Is it's always it's always a big way to cut back. But if your your priority is going to be having a live band, that is going to take a lot more money out of your budget than um, than having a DJ. So you know, doing some of those things to educate yourself and really looking at your priorities is the best way to start. And don't let yourself get wrapped up in ordering um, a bunch of gifts or going over the top for things like that. Um, those Those are ways I see people break the budget all the time. Um, All right. We are going to take a super fast break on the wedding dish. And then I have a few more questions when we come back. And I'm excited about them. Catch you in a second. And we are back. Thank you so much for tuning into The Wedding Dish today. I am Sarah Alipin. I am your host of The Wedding Dish, and I'm glad to have you at our table. All right, so I'm answering questions today about wedding planning and all things wedding. And um, I've got a couple more questions here from listeners. And by the way, if you ever have questions, you can submit them on our website, theweddingdishpodcast.com, or you can send them to us on our social media at The Wedding Dish Podcast. So um, I'm always happy to answer questions and, um, you know, it's nice to, it's nice to know what people are wondering about these days too. It helps me with my interviews of, um, of guests too. All right. 
do I have to invite someone to my wedding if I've asked for their address? Of course, my answer here is going to be no. (laughs) Um, There are so many reasons that you might ask for somebody's address. Um, Actually, one year in September, I started planning for New Year's cards um, because one year I decided I really needed to send those out. Um, Even though I love sending cards, but I'm terrible at like holiday cards. So I decided I was going to make it happen in September and I started emailing people asking for their addresses. And people immediately assumed I was asking for um, wedding invitations. And I wasn't engaged or anything. So it was very strange that they were thinking that in my mind. But um, it goes to show that people ask for for your address for many, many different reasons. So, um, you know, it's while they may assume that it is because you are planning a wedding, um, you might just be asking for their address so you can send them something. So, um, you know, regardless of whether you are planning to invite them. Um, so if you ask for someone's address and and you had intended to invite them to their wedding or to your wedding, and then you end up not being able to include them in that celebration for whatever reason. I would always say, be honest with people. Um, If you want to, if you value this relationship and you think it is somebody that you did want to invite to your wedding and, you know, for whatever reason you're unable to, and in my mind, whatever reason is that you either had to cut back on your guest list for various reasons or, um, you know, not not that you were having a fight with this person. Hopefully that is not... um, you know, the reason you wouldn't bring somebody to your wedding. Um, If that is the way you are feeling, I would highly suggest working that out with them, having a conversation um, and really working that out. Because if you valued their relationship enough to have that person at your wedding to begin with, then you, you want to you still should value that relationship even if they've done something that feels damaging and weddings are um highly emotional events for everybody including your guests so everybody's very invested it feels very personal to every person who is invited who is around you um just you know keep that in mind it is not it is not only you having these emotions, it's everyone. So um, sometimes it can cause some strain in relationships. And I highly recommend you take a step back and and work it out with that person, whether you choose to invite them after that. Um, I But I would still, you know, you valued that relationship. I, I wouldn't let it just dissolve itself. Um, now, if you're if you're invite or not inviting them because of needing to cut back numbers or whatever, you know, scale the wedding back, then be honest. You know, just just like I said with the invitations uh, or um, changing your your original number because of COVID requirements at your venue. Um, be honest with the the person. Just say, you know, I really want it, want you to be not wanted want you to be at my wedding day. Unfortunately, we had to cut back because of, you don't even need to explain it, but you can just say, you know, I really want you to be there. Unfortunately, that's not the way things are shaking out. Um, but 
I wanted you to know how much I appreciate your friendship and that kind of thing. Um, being honest with people is really important. Um, and and as you're going through this wedding planning process, um, you wanna you wanna show people how much you value them because you do. That's why you want you had them potentially on your guest list to begin with. How much time should you build into your day for pictures? And when is the best time to do them? So there are a lot of things that go in here. Um, my first, the first thing as a photographer that pops into my brain is lighting. Um, that's always going to be the first thing that comes into my brain. So um, in terms of how much time to build into your day for the pictures, make a list of the types of photos that you want. If you want photos with, you know, a ton of different guest combinations or family combinations, you're going to need to build in more time for that. Um, I, as a, as a photographer, I try to make those move along as quickly as possible. Um, I kind of play it like the price is right. <laughs> so um, I put to, I get the shot list and the group, different group combinations from my couples. And then I um, put it together where it's like this family member or this friend steps out, this friend steps in. Um, so I tell people they're on deck and then I tell them to come on down and the I have the couple doesn't move. It's everybody else moves around them. Um, so it moves really quickly and people stay engaged because I kind of gamify it. Um, so that's really helpful. And it's a good thing to think about if you are a photographer or, you know, if you are having conversation with your photographer. And of course, your photographer is going to be able to answer this question. So consult them. Um, I am not everyone's photographer. I do not speak for every every photographer out there. Um, but if you have a, a long list of people or family members that you want photos with, that is going to take more time. Um, you have the option of either doing that before the ceremony or after the ceremony. You can even do it during the reception. Um, you know, it really depends on what you are comfortable with. Um, you also want to factor in travel time. So if you are going to a different location to have your photos taken, factor that in. So let's say you're getting married at Dumbarton Oaks, which is a um, mansion in Georgetown in D.C., Washington, D.C., and you are graduating from um, Georgetown medical school, um, then you may want to have some of the photos taken at Georgetown if that's, let's say, where you met your fiance. I'm actually using a real scenario from a couple years ago here. Um, getting your wedding parties to and from Georgetown University, even though it's only probably seven minutes drive from Dumbarton Oaks, is still going to take some time. There are going to be people loading in and out of the bus um, or cars or Ubers or whatever the case may be, and then getting out and lining up and all that. So it actually, you want to build in probably another 30 minutes on each side for travel. It's just a safe bet to do it that way. Um, now you, again, can ask your photographer about that and what their recommendations are because it, it could be different but depending on where what city you're in. Um, also, you may be just stepping right out of the car instead of walking across 
part of a campus. Um, so it's, I mean, it's only like a three minute walk, but if you've got people in heels or you have children with you, everything takes a little bit longer. So, um, err on the side of a little bit more time. And then think about the pictures that you want to prioritize. Um, a couple weeks ago, I had a wedding that was in the Rehoboth Beach area, and they wanted um, sunset photos over um, there's its uh, nature reserve there. So it's kind of like an inlet, and they wanted the sunset. So right before the sunset, because um, I knew they could move quickly and I could move quickly. And it was right a, right a pull-off, a, like two-minute drive and a pull-off of stepping right out of the car. So I put everything in the car to get ready to go. I went and got the couple. I drove them over to the inlet. We took the photos and the whole thing only took 15 minutes. It did mean I had to stop them in the middle of eating dinner and let the caterer know to build them their own plate because they were eating family style. So there are a couple things you know that go into that, but um, prioritize, choose the photos that are the priorities, and then um, and communicate that to your photographer so that they can make that work in the most efficient way possible. Um, the best time to do your photos. So if you're talking about like posed photos in this question, the best time to do the photos is going to be during um, the golden hour. I mean, this is either you will want to not be in direct sunlight or you will want to be um, photographing ideally during the golden hour, which is um, about an hour before you know sun starts to set. So um, that's going to be the, a softer light. It isn't going to be high contrast. Um, no one will be squinting, that kind of thing. So that gives you the best lighting. Um, you also can, you know, depending on your location, um, you if it's during the middle of the day, you can get absolutely gorgeous photos, but you may just have to take them in a slightly different location. Like you may want to be in a shaded location or your photographer can set up a reflector um, or a diffuser to diffuse some of the lighting. So all of those things, you know, go into the factor, but biggest takeaway here is communicate what is most important to you or to your photographer so that your photographer can help you make a plan. All right, next question. Um, and this is going to be my last question for today. Um, so what little things am I missing? What could I possibly be forgetting? Um, big question there because every wedding is different. Every couple is different. Um, how many times have you heard me say that? And here's the thing, like you you could be forgetting any number of things. Um, there are a slew of checklists and things that you can download. Um, anywhere that you download something, you are going to have to submit your email address. Um, I, by the way, <laughs> bonus tip here, make a wedding email address so that um, you're not getting spammed for the rest of your life because places like um, a lot of the major wedding planning platforms, I'm not going to say any names here, but um, you know where you can find your vendors and, and suggestions and color palettes and all that stuff, they sell your information. So you will be getting information until the end of time about weddings and then it rolls into, they, they're smart about it. They're good at marketing. So then 
suddenly it becomes the nest. Um, sorry, I dang it, I didn't mean to say the name. Um, and then suddenly you are getting emails about buying a house or home decor, and then within the next few years you're getting emails about um, you know being a mom or a dad or <laughs> having a family. Um, so there, the marketing strategy behind it is actually very smart. But you have to, you know, if you're getting something for free. Um, I use air quotes there. <laughs> I know you can't see me, but um, then you are going to have to give them your email address. So just um, I I did that for us. I made a um, an email address super easy, and then I never checked it again. Like six months after we got married, I just made sure you know our vendors didn't ask us for like something or need something from us. Um, so just you know a little insider scoop on that. Um, in terms of what you can, that you could be forgetting, there are a ton of checklists out there. Um, and I would, I would just do, you know, some Googling, find the ones that speak the most to you and, um, and kind of go by those and you'll be able to kind of keep yourself on track with those. Um, we actually have a wedding checklist that I put together, um, that is super, super helpful. So it, it walks you through how to hire your vendors, what each vendor, you know, the, the pros and cons of each type of vendor and, and what to look for and where you can save. Um, and then also a wedding planning timeline and checklist. So um, that's actually available on our Patreon. So um, you can sign up and support the show and get our checklist. So that is... Um, patreon.com slash the wedding dish, I believe. Um, you can also get there from our website, the wedding dish podcast.com. And um, that will walk you through, we won't spam you, don't worry, <laughs> or sell your information. And that'll walk you through all the things that you need. Um, that's from, you know, my years of experience as a wedding professional, um, helping people in the wedding industry build out their businesses and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's really it, it is a really good checklist. Um, I spent a lot of time putting it together. I think it's like thirteen pages or something, um, and it will be very helpful to you because there are so many pieces that go into planning a wedding, and the last thing you want is to realize that you have to spend the two weeks before your wedding scrambling to do something you that completely fell off your radar because. Um, even even I did some of that where I was just super overwhelmed the two weeks before. And we, of course, were traveling from the East Coast to the West Coast. And uh, half of our guests were traveling from the East Coast to the West Coast. So there were a lot of moving parts um, and a lot of people that I wanted to be able to support as we were going through um, and, you know, packing. And then we were going straight to our honeymoon from there. So a lot of packing, a lot of logistics. Um, and it was, yeah. So leaving things to the last minute is, is the hardest, but, um, you can also find free checklists. So well free, but yeah, free. <laughs> um, and just make sure, you know, you're tracking what you're doing and stay on top of it. Don't let anything go down to the wire. Um, that is something you can do in advance. It's just, it's not worth it, in my opinion. Um, 
Great. Well, I'm really excited for our next episode. Um, We are rolling into season five of The Wedding Dish. I can't believe it. And um, we have a ton of amazing guests that are coming on this um, season. And I'm going to be doing more of these question answer episodes. So um, you can send questions to our Instagram at The Wedding Dish Podcast or on our website, theweddingdishpodcast.com. And um, I will be posting our show notes and transcripts for today's episode on there as well. And um, you can apply to be a guest speaker. You can sign up for our Patreon. You can donate to us so we can keep bringing you juicy wedding tips and tricks from couples and wedding pros alike. All the good stuff. Um, Don't forget to tune in to next week's episode for more wedding info and good stuff. And if you like the podcast, give us a follow and rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Until next time, cheers.